Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, and it is a tape review Tuesday slash Wednesday. Uh, depending on when you are consuming this, tape this on Tuesday mornings. And Logan, I actually even got to watch uh, more tape than usual. I was <laughs> taping a little later in the morning, got up, had my coffee, watched some of the first half. I, I mean, based off that, this game, whew, what a performance by the commanders. You know, yeah. no, I mean, half, not so much, but we'll get into it. Like what yeah. happened, what changed? And, um, you know, I, I always want to start like with high level thoughts after watching the full game back on the all 22, like, what do you feel differently, perhaps, than what you felt in the immediate aftermath on Sunday night? 
Yeah, I thought, you know, when I'd go watch the All-22 that I'd feel way differently about the performance because, like, when when I'm doing, like, prep for the show, I'm doing a whole bunch of different stuff. Like, I'm leaving the room, I'm getting notes, I'm coming back, and, like, I'm not really, really watching the game. But my general thought was, like, I thought the defense played well. I thought they played physical. I thought they played fast. I thought there was a couple things here and there from a you know, explosive play standpoint that could be corrected. And then offensively, I thought, man, that first half was pretty good, aided in large part by a, a big punt return by Jamison Crowder. And that was true. And then something happened in the second half where they weren't as effective offensively. And I think that was the thing that was really interesting to me was like the transition from the first half to the second half in terms of offensive production. And um, like that to me was one of the things that I want to find out. And obviously we, we talked about that a little bit before we got on, but I think, you know, overall it kind of coincided with what I thought I, the defense actually, I will say this played a little bit better after watching the film than I thought they did. Like I thought they played well. I thought they played fine, but after watching it again, I was like, man, they did some really, really good stuff. And they, obviously there was like, I think a perfect example. There was a, an explosive play to Percy Butler where he's run, they're running a play action post. And, you know, obviously, um, Kendall Fuller's got outside leverage on the post and Percy's it's like quarters ish. And he's supposed to drop with the court, with the, with the post, right? Cause it's quarters. This and is the big just, shot to Van Jefferson. You know, it's the big shot to, I think it was uh, Miller, right? Was that who it was Miller or it might've been Van Jefferson. I think it's it Van Jefferson. The, the, yeah. the one deep down the field that gets thrown over his head. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That's so, Jefferson. And so Percy doesn't get out of his back pedal and you're like, man, Percy, like what's going on. And one of the things I, I really liked about this sequence is they uh, you know arthur smith is a smart guy he says like let's come back to this play they come back to it out of a different formation the protection's good um and percy is lockstep with the receiver running down the field like he got out of his pedal early identified the post <clears throat> and i think that's one of the things with young football players that's good to see is them like making adjustments or the staff making adjustments in game to support that individual. So like, while there was some stuff, you're like, man, that could have been better. or This could have been better. Like, like another example is Jamin. He gives up, um, you know, the choice route to Kyle Pitts where he yeah, crosses that was, his that face. That was not a great rep from him. <laughs> and that's tough. Right. But you know, like I can hear Ron's voice in my head every time we do the coaches show, he's always talking about leverage and how important leverage is. And obviously Jamie needs to keep inside leverage. But then you go to the pick at the end of the game, and it's it's two man. It looks like um, looks like uh, Bijan has beat him like kind of vertically, but he can play underneath it because it's two man. He doesn't have to worry as much about something over the top. Is able to play really nicely into that window, and again, using good leverage and using appropriate technique makes a play. So I thought there was a whole bunch of things in the game that kind of defensively were like that wasn't great, but look at this guy; he corrected it or corrected that same uh, a comparable issue later. And it led to a more productive play. And it was really interesting. Like maybe I was just more aware of it because it was the mantra this week, but like guys who were doing their job better and how that yeah. led to just better defensive performance. And so overall, like I think, you know, um, I was talking to Kime yesterday and we do like a Monday check-in just to kind of see what he's thinking, what I'm thinking. And, yeah. you know, he's like, well, people think, think the defense played badly. And I don't know. I didn't really get that vibe really from watching the film. And maybe there's something different when you watch the TV copy, but I think defense played pretty good. Offense had a good first half. And then obviously there was some slowing in the second half, which we can talk. Well, about. I mean, people think the defense played bad because they gave up 400 yards in yeah, 79 but, plays. Um, but a lot of that has to do with the offensive inefficiency. And it's yeah. like when you start to look at yards per play, it's actually not as bad because they 
were on the field so much because the offense couldn't convert anything in the second half. We're already kind of talking about the defense. So let's, let's flip it up. Normally we start offense. Let's just keep, keep going with defense. Um, I think that there's some interesting stuff also that Jack does in this game. Um, and especially in the fronts, um, they played at least one rep where they have just three down linemen and you're like, Whoa, don't see that very often. They played drop eight. Yeah. Yeah, I also saw it seemed like, you know, obviously the Cinco front personnel wise was out there a ton. Uh, big, big John Ridgeway played like 33 snaps. Hope this, he got might a nice, been, this might have been nice his, off best, day. His, yeah. his, uh, his best game of his career. He had an excellent game. Yeah, and, but they do it sometimes out of what really is a 3-4 front, like a base 3-4 front where like those three linemen are kind of tucked in and Chase and Montez are standing out on the, the edges in a what it, what anybody else would call like a true three four front. Then other times it's kind of more of their cinco front where the the splits amongst the D linemen are a little bit more of what we're used to seeing. And so I think some of those varied fronts were really nice and probably helped them out to be as effective as they were against the run, knowing that Atlanta likes to run the football like they do. Like you give them more fronts to look at, make the runs harder to target. They obviously played some base in this as well. So uh, they just threw so many different looks at Atlanta that I think it probably helped them execute and help made it things harder on the Falcons. Then of course you play hard and, you know, execute the technique and and lo and behold, you hold a Falcons team that wants to get 150 yards rushing every game to what, like 80 something. Yeah. Uh, and that includes like 19 yards, including one long scramble from Ritter. So, I mean, they they really did a, some interesting stuff sem- schematically and then also executed at a high level to prevent the Falcons from being the Falcons. Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, you know, like you can talk about scheme, you can talk about different fronts and all that stuff is super important, no doubt. Like, because like, I think they're better, you know, like I think you get more out of the D line in that Cinco front for whatever reason. But I think the effort was excellent from those guys, right? You know, we mentioned John, bigger John Ridgeway. I thought he had an excellent game, played physical, was running to the football, did a great job. You know, the first time they played Atlanta, I think that might have been one of his worst games last year. One of his worst games in his career, the center was just kind of toying with him, reaching him every play. And this, he's getting hands on blocks. He's keeping his gap. He's making it muddy. He's making sure guys can't get to the next level. Great job by him. John Allen, I felt like was kind of John Allen this game. Like he was yeah. throwing dudes six to the tackles. ground. That's yeah. a big production day for a D tackle. Throwing dudes to the ground. He had that great goal line kind of just beast mode on uh, Matthew Bergeron on the goal line, you know, when they're running uh, for the two-point conversion. And he just kind of throws him to the ground, makes a tackle. And he, his energy was just so different. You know, I don't know if he's going to grade out super well from a PFF standpoint, but yeah, there's, not, a, whatever. There's, there's a play like where he's getting double team. He throws a guy down. He dives over the guy on the ground, gets the running back around the legs. You know what I mean? It just like he was at a different energy level and pain kind of the same thing. Like they Atlanta had put in a run, which I have not seen people do. So basically what they're trying to do is like when you get in that Cinco front front, it's not a true three, four, because in my mind, a three, four is when you um line up over the tackles like inside shade of the tackle and like a four eye so for those of like football nerds out there a zero is a shade over the center a one's a shade a shade over the center's outside shoulder a two's inside of the guard three's outside of the guard four's inside shoulder of the tackle right so that's normally where that guy lines up in this offense they line up in threes it's almost like a bare front so you cover you know the center and both guards with in this case ridgeway john and Payne. Um, and so what that does is it makes it really hard to get combinations inside um, because like the center's covered, so you can't get a combination. It, but if 
for example, if you move to a four eye, now I can get a combination between the guard and the tackle and we're cooking with gas because the tight end can block the defensive end. So what they did, and which I thought was really interesting, was they basically said, like, there's a play that everybody's running now. It's called Zorro. So in a 3-4 structure like this, you'd block the stand-up outside linebacker with the tight end and the fullback. And it becomes this, like, really physical double team. And you basically forcibly widen this edge player to open up the C-gap, which is the gap inside of the tight end. It's to the right of the defensive end if they're on the left side of the defense. So... Um, they didn't need to do that because the problem in this structure with the bare front is that that three technique is going to make a ton of plays because they're one-on-one with the guard. And so what they did is said, well, why don't we just run Zorro on the three technique? And there was a play where Chris Lindstrom, who's one of the best guards in the NFL, has got hands I know, on. I know the play, yeah. Yeah, he's got hands on. Payne throws him to the ground. The fullback is at a full sp- full sprint. And Payne just suns that dude and makes a tackle for a loss. And Yeah, that fullback was not trying to block Deron Payne. Deron Payne was so quick to win that he was no, in his path. What I am th- what I am saying is I think they are. I think that's a double team really? between the fullback. It's a double team between the fullback and the guard. But the guard gets tossed to the ground so quickly. So what, what you're trying to get there is this, the guard to fit both hands on, the, on Payne in this case, right? Yeah, to work and then maybe la- you seal him inside. Yeah, to work laterally right and as we're working laterally i am the fullback running full speed on a guy that's engaged and i just annihilate your rib cage and your hip and it's very effective because i don't know if you know this this is like good football one-on-one if i'm engaged on a block right the second anyone touches your hip like your body just collapses it's really interesting how that works and so basically what they're going to do is they're going to have him come sun that hip and then just clear that hole out but pain says no 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 Chris Lindstrom, you're on the ground. Fullback, you're coming for me. Get some of that action, right? So it was and it's a tackle I, for loss. A tackle for loss. And I thought, like, I'd never seen that scheme before. And maybe you won't see it anymore because it didn't work <laughs> very well. Because they tried yeah. on Allen, too. And it worked a little bit better with Allen. But again, Allen was just so, both those guys were just playing at a level. Like, they, you could tell. The, basically, the point is the Atlanta Falcons were trying to account for our best players with novel scheme. And they just were like, we're bigger, faster, physically better than you. And we're making a lot of plays. So that, I think, just the effort there was amazing. And then also the linebackers, I thought, played really well. I think this is probably Cody Barton's best game. Jamin Davis had a great game. Um, And they were just physical and fast to the football in a way that they, I don't want to say they haven't been, but it was nice to see, you know, kind of like we talked about on the pregame show, just a little bit more energy, just that like kind of how energy gives you stuff. And I felt like they got yeah. a lot of stuff just by playing with good energy and good emotion. And um, again, I think it was a very physical physical game, and it led to a a, a very I think productive defensive day. So yeah, uh, just to back to the pain play real quick. I thought that they were trying to get that fullback like past pain out into so. out into as a lead blocker, and pain just was got like got in the way because the, the fullback runs into him so solidly like he didn't expect him to be there. <laughs> he certainly whether it was by design or not, I trust you that it was by design. He didn't expect him to be there like that. He's supposed to be right. engaged with someone. Um, so that is a crazy play by Deron Payne. Um, and I just did the math real quick. Um, they Atlanta averages 5.08 yards per play. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty solid number defensively. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like not not in, great. The, ga- in the game, you're saying. Yeah, in overall in the game. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, yeah, they gave up 400 yards, but they ran almost 80 plays. So, you know, obviously we'll get into what happened with the offense, but I think the biggest, the biggest reason why Atlanta has 
mega yardage in this game and why people think the defense played bad is because they were stressed at times. You know, Benjamin St. Juice gets the pick in the red zone. Like, there are some key situations. You know, Atlanta's back in it, you know, one-score game late. Um, and I, But I just think the biggest the biggest factor in that is just the sheer number of plays that they gave up uh, or that they were on the field because the offense couldn't do anything. But also yeah. they did give up some third down conversions and, and some extended drives between the twenties. And I'm curious if there's any concern about the ability to give those up, or is this kind of the nature of a bend, but don't break defense? I mean, I think it's kind of the nature of a bend, but don't break defense. I think the thing that kind of makes you a little bit concerned, like minorly is that there were a couple explosive plays. You mentioned the Kyle Pitts thing. There was a couple open opportunities, like Desmond Ritter overthrows the flea flicker. We talked about the yep. post that they missed. Like, there was a couple it's things. It's hard to get like, too mad for me as like a flea flicker. Like, it's a trick. No, play. no. But I'm saying, like, there are. But, yeah, there are more out there. There are explosive opportunities that were left on the field for, for Atlanta. And, you know, against a more experienced quarterback like Jalen Hurts, like Josh Allen, you're probably getting. Some of those are getting actualized, and you're probably going man, this defense is having a tough day. So I think that was the thing for me is you were relying a little bit on Ritter being Desmond Ritter. And there were some opportunities for them to kind of like, you know, I mentioned the Percy Butler thing. I think that's a great correction by him in the game, but against a better quarterback, that's probably a touchdown. And we're probably thinking about how Percy Butler is a terrible football player at the moment. You know what I mean? Like instead we, he gets to make the correction. It's very casual. And so I think this is something philosophically that I think is, is going on with the NFL at the moment is defenses versus good quarterbacks are going to be outmatched like nine out of 10 times. Like, uh, I think that's just the rule at the moment. Um, and so it's, so against a better quarterback, this is probably a, a loss defensively, but it's not, it's versus Desmond Ritter. It's versus a guy in his second year and you can get away with some of those mistakes and some of those explosive plays, um, that, that don't show up on the stat sheet. So. Yeah. So one guy that had a really nice game, it seemed, was Khalid Hudson. Oh, yeah. um, and people have not talked about or people have been clamoring for him since the Dallas game last year because he played so well. And, you know, all, all the reports out of training camp that were that he was awesome in training camp. Then he doesn't play any defensive snaps until this game. Um and watching him and the, the plays that he makes, he's on the field for like 10 snaps and has three tackles. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty freaking productive day. Um, he obviously gives up the one to Bijan where he and the the other DB run into each other. Um, but he does a good job. I think on that one of even recovering and making the tackle, um, like it doesn't turn into a, a mega explosive play. You contain it. Um, so yeah, I would, I, I wonder if that becomes an option for them. Maybe, yeah. To I think, play a little bit more base, and and especially because if Derek Forrest is out, like you're you're less inclined to have the three safeties on the field. No, I think that's right. I think you know that's something we had talked about again in the pregame show and in the preview podcast last week. Is just like what's the what's the allocation of resources to to best to most effectively kind of deal with the absence of Forrest and Jeremy. And I think you see this is maybe a solution, you know, like he's not going to be in all the time. I think 10 plays sure. is probably appropriate, but he played with great juice, Lo loved his energy, loved how he played. He had a great play on uh, outside zone where he's blitzing off the left side and he runs it down, makes a great tackle. Obviously, the guys on the front side did a great job. Casey Two Hills, two gapping. John, again, closing that gap up. So there's nowhere for him to go. Kind of forces him back into Kalik, but great job by Kalik. There was a, um, a, a second, I think a second and short or a third and short where the guard's coming for him and he does like a little double stick on the guard. The guard falls down. He comes back in, makes the tackle. Great job.
job, you know. So he did flash. He, he's an explosive guy. He's a physical guy, and I think um, it's it's great to see a guy in uh, in an expanded role do well. And you know, you mentioned the play to Bijan. I think that's something that gets better the with more reps. You know, uh, Jamin yeah. has one early in the game. Same, almost identical play where um, you know that's the one where Bijan tries to like one handed, left handed catch yeah. that sucker, and he. And it's there is a pick, but Jamin does a better job of navigating the traffic. He's I think he's in a better relationship and makes it a tougher throw. And I think that's something that you get with experience. So um, I think Kalik deserves a shout out for sure. I thought he had a good game um, outside the the explosive the the I think it was a twenty yard fifteen yard catch that he gave it to Bijan. But like I, I think that's again that's one of the things you're dealing with with younger. He's not a young guy, but an inexperienced in terms of game action at linebacker. And I think um, the more he plays, I think the better he's going to get. And I think he showed you that in the preseason. Yeah, I think some of the big plays in this game, too, happen between guys that probably don't have as many reps together. I mean, that one, for sure, Khalid doesn't have reps with anyone because they don't yeah. play base. Right. Um, but even the touchdown to Pitts on the first drive, like Danny and St. Juice yeah. run into each other. What was going on there? I don't. I couldn't tell you. It looks like it looks like quarters to me. I mean, we probably should have watched that before we started just to double-click on it. Uh, but... I don't know because I think for I think uh, Benjamin St. Juice is playing that pretty good, and I think it looks like he's expecting inside help, and and said Danny just gets in his way. Danny kind of like is looking in the backfield. I don't know if he's looking for a crosser. Again, that's a question for Danny, and you know, kind of the technique to, to techniques that they're playing. But I would say just you know from a thousand foot view, that probably wasn't correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, really? Yeah. So I, I don't know exactly what his rule is, but again, like he's a he's a new guy. You know, he had a great to, to you know to give him his flowers. I think the play before the interception or the third down before the interception. Um, you know, he's one on one with Kyle Pitts, and it's two man, and he's in a great position. He's playing a great technique, like. Kyle uh, Pitts is running a it's like basically all go special trying to split the safeties and he's kind of you know maybe if Desmond gives him a better ball there's a chance but you know Danny's playing in the back hip because he's got help over top he's in great position they try to throw the football it's not a it's not a perfectly thrown ball he gets a PBU so um, I think there was a lot of stuff like that where you know we mentioned the Percy thing we mentioned the Kalik thing there's one with Danny Johnson where you're kind of like, what's going on? But then later in the game, they play with great technique and they make a great play. So um, I think there's a lot of that, you know, like kind of kind of throughout. But again, that happens with new people. And I think it's good that it happened in this game because, um, well, I think Desmond Ritter could be a starting quarterback at some point. I think he's definitely kind of a bottom tier guy right now in terms of the things that um, the things that NFL quarterbacks normally do. And so it's nice to kind of get an, e an easy win um, and be able to have some of these mistakes missed um, in a game like this. So, All right, anything else from the defense that we want to hit real quick before we get to the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Jack deserves a little bit of a shout-out. I thought they did some cool stuff um, in terms of they kind of were better at disguising their coverages. They brought a little bit more pressure. There was a, a third uh, third down or a fourth down, I don't remember exactly what it was, where they're trying to throw an out, like basically a choice to Bijan. And it looks like it's man, and they do a really good job of this. Like they they kind of, St. Juice goes with the motion, it's Bijan on the motion, and then Cam Curl sprints down and presses the point. And you're like, oh, this is man. And they're trying to press this to kind of, take away the choice route, right? Because on the choice, like the the guy in the ball is going to run a corner route, which is going to pick the man defender, who's St. Juiced, who's now who, who's feathered off inside to cover Bijan. And <clears throat> and um, and so 
it, it's there and you can tell Atlanta thinks it's there, but instead of running man coverage, they get in a two. So cam curl becomes the flat player. St. Juice becomes the post player or the, the half player. And it, it, the concept is completely black blanketed and Desmond Ritter thinks he has man. He's working the man side. The other side is like what I would call like, um, like a spot concept or a sit concept where you get like a five yard sit, you get a flat and you get a corner. And that is wide open because that's exactly what you want versus cover two. But he doesn't identify it because the the disguise was so good. Like I even with the clicker in my hand was like, this is man, 100 percent. And ends up being zone. So I thought they did some stuff like that, which was really good. Again, the uh, the interception um, to St. Juiced. I mean, I feel bad for Desmond Ritter because I feel like Arthur Smith like kind of like did not do him any favors in terms of. Like there's so much going on with that offense. I, and I know I said this on the post game show, like he's trying to get Bijan Robinson lined up. He's trying to get the receiver to the right split. He's trying to get the protection called. He does not look at the defense one time before the ball is snapped, which is basically snapped at zero. And it, I'm just like, that cannot be the best way to maximize that guy. But you know, that's the conversation for Arthur Smith, but they bring, they're bringing a pressure. They've got it schemed up correctly. Jamin runs right through the B-gap, untouched. Love to see untouched pressures, unblocked pressures. And Desmond Ritter tries to get out of the pocket. He should throw it away. But I can't even fault the guy because he's not even playing football. He's trying to get everybody lined up. Throws the ball to um, St. Juice. And I just like that there was a little bit more of an emphasis this week to bring some pressures. Even on, on uh, Fuller's interception, it doesn't affect the throw. But it's third and three. They're running it out. He's playing off. They're bringing in extra pressure. Great job by Jack. It doesn't get home, but you can tell Desmond's accelerating his process. Great job by Kendall making a play. So I just like some of that stuff where it's like they ran more two-man this week. They ran a drop eight. They did some stuff differently to kind of throw people off, and you could tell the guys were were comfortable with it. Like they knew what to do in a way that, um, like last week, for example, they didn't. And so um, I I think good job, Jack, kind of finding something that fit the skill set. And um, good job by the guys owning those kind of new wrinkles, and they pay dividends in the game. So, yeah, good good job all week teaching. That way, when it's do your job, everyone knew what their job was. Um, now, I think the big test is like, can you do it against not Desmond Ritter? Well, um, they don't have to worry about it this next week so much. But yes, you're oh, yeah. your point I mean, is valid. Daniel, well, we'll see if Daniel Jones plays. Um, but. He's he just turns into like a Hall of Famer against these guys, so you know. Well, I don't really care who's back there because that old line is. That's also true. If you want to see <laughs> Commanders fans, if you want to see battle line, check out the Bears or check out the Giants. Excuse me. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Take the Man Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman here, Logan Paulson there. We are together at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor, each and every Commander's Game Day. Come hang out with us three hours prior to kick. I guess you can hang out in person two hours prior, but the show starts at 10 a.m. Sunday, Tap Sports Bar. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. You can listen on the free Odyssey app or, of course, on your radio on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, the Take Command pregame show. All right, to the offense, Logan. I almost want to just do this in halves. Um, that's at least from a production standpoint was ha- is how we should divide this up. Is yeah, like, what happened in the first half? Good. What happened in the second half? Bad. Before we dive into that, though, is that like is the process reflective of that? Is there a good process in the first half, bad process in the second half, or did Atlanta just start playing better? Like, what changed half to half before we dive into the details of of how it went down? Yeah, I mean, I do think I'd have to go back and I wish I would have done this before the show started. I, I watched the game. So what I do the way I'm, when I'm breaking down the game, so fans, so is I watch literally every play and I make notes on every single play. Right. And, and as you watch know, all the offense in a row, it's not like you go offense, defense, offense, yes, defense, like it does in a real game. In you row. watch all the offense in a row, all the offense in a row, all the defense in a row. And it's funny because you're looking at plays, right? You're looking at like why a single play didn't work. And sometimes you forget to look at themes for the game. But high level, what I would say, and I have to go back and double check this, so don't quote me on it, is I felt like in the second half, um, 1A, I thought there was a little bit of a conservative tone to EB's play calling in the sense that we were running the ball a lot on first down. And it kind of set us up in certain situations that weren't the most advantageous. But I also think... And again, that's not a criticism because I do think we want to run the ball more. And I think you're trying to run the ball more. You're trying to get that going. Atlanta did a good job kind of shutting that down. Yeah, but especially I would, once you go up 24-10. Like. Right. But I will say I think Atlanta came out and ran a lot more two-man. And it really – there was a couple times where Sam took, I think, two sacks in the second half where you know he's got time – but there's nobody open. Like the concept's completely covered. So that's something that I would say they, they made an adjustment at halftime where they were like, let's go two man. Let's make sure that we're, we're blanketing these concepts. And it really made it harder for Sam to throw the football. And in the first half, I thought they did a great job. Atlanta was playing a little bit more softer coverages, softer zones. And I think you see the result of Sam just being able to kind of Pick them apart is maybe a strong word, but that's the that's the word that comes to mind. He just felt more comfortable finding throws, finding matchups, and uh, delivering the football. So that would be high level, kind of what I think was the biggest difference between the first and second half from a from an Atlanta perspective. Yeah. So if starting on like because it's really not the entire first half. The last drive was uh, like the two rough. minute drive, right? The two yeah. minute drive has the two sacks on it, um, and it starts off with a sack actually. Um, so it's sack, sack, screen. There he goes that. They come out in the second half. They get, obviously, the the quick screen play to... Uh, they actually did run it on first down, and then they get a screen play to B-Rob where he just runs through the guy's chest, which I thought was hilarious. Like, to watch... To watch a running back have the choice of going around left, going around right, or running straight through another human being and watching him pick, let me put my helmet down and go straight through this guy's numbers was chef's kiss. Perfect. Yeah, it was great. Uh, So you got that. And then from that point on, they actually, like the next drive starts well. The next drive was the Chris Rodriguez drive. Yeah. I thought Chris Rodriguez came out and ran hard. Yeah. Yeah. They go run, run, run. And then 
things go haywire from there because they get like two big ones first down seven and then 13 and then they run it again a third straight time on first down one yarder now that, you're in second can we, nine. can we talk about that for one second so first yeah, absolutely. off great job by chris rodriguez it's so funny i know he doesn't get the ball up but on those two runs i got like shades of marshawn Lynch, like just like how physical he is his contact balance and i think they probably are pretty fired up about him too so great job by him on those two runs the very the third run in that series atlanta's like cool let's put 12 guys in the box good luck and then it's like there's unblocked people in the hole so that's where like it's so hard as a play caller but you're like we got to run the ball we're having where the offensive line's getting confident we're effective but you do need to get out of it at some point you need to kind of just throw something else so that atlanta can't do that they can't come up with nine guys in the box have a free runner to the back in the in the hole so that's something that i would say is like yes good good now they know they know that you know, or you know that they know are, you're going to run the ball. So what we have that is that is low risk, that gives us a good opportunity, and then we can hit that play and then come back to running the football just to kind of unsettle their focus a little bit so you're not playing nine on seven um, on that third play there. So that was something that I thought, like, and it happens every single week in every single game in the NFL. A coordinator gets in a rhythm with something and they like it, and then all of a sudden it just blows up in their face. So that was one where I was like, man, would have loved just something a little bit different there after that long explosive run. But, um, you know, things happen. And of course, uh, then you get a little baby play action. Sam runs for a yard because uh, nothing. That's right. You can't find yeah. anything. Uh, and then on third and eight, he takes a sack. Yeah. Uh, and then and on that the next sack, track, that sack yeah. specifically, they are in like full two man mode. There's nowhere to go with the ball. And that's where fans are like, well, if there's nowhere to go from the ball, like how does he not take a sack? But I think about, you know, Kirk Cousins. I think about guys that I played with who were excellent at this. Either they're throwing guys open or they're throwing the ball away and they're they're not taking sacks. They're not leveraging the O-line that way. And I think um, also I think the concept, you mentioned this briefly, like finding, making sure the checkdowns are getting out. That's got to be a bigger point of emphasis versus type of coverage structure because um, there were times where the back's not quite out in the route yet. Um, and, you know, that's one of the disadvantages of having a bunch of chip help is you lose that eligible, use that ability to mm -hmm. kind of spread the defense and get that opportunity to check the football down. But um, that was that was a that was a one where I was like, man, there's not a lot of room here for him to throw this football. So yeah, um, I want to circle back to that in a second. So let's put a pin in that and come yep. back to it. Just to finish the play calling like sequencing thought. Uh, so now we're at the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, after Atlanta goes on the 12 play 81 yard drive. Uh, they come out, they get a, the quick. Uh, short cross or a uh, shallow cross, cross to Terry. He gets breaks a tackle is is pushed out of bounds uh, after an 18 yard gain, and then it's Robinson left three yards. Robinson right, no gain, incomplete off the field. Next, yeah, and that's another next, two man, uh, two man. Yeah, great coverage is my note there. So they try a deep shot on first down off a heavy formation. Trent Scott actually in the game there uh, as an eligible. They they try incomplete. Uh, deep left and then they come right back run it now you're in third and 10 how sacked last drive of the game that they on have that one, on that one also two man nowhere to go with the ball like that i'm not yeah. i'm not kidding like that to me that's maybe the biggest difference is like on all of these drives, i didn't even realize it but now we're going through it all of them end in a two-man situation and there's very tight windows for sam to throw the football so 
Yeah, and then they they try to run the ball again, and it doesn't go very far, and they're in bad down a distance situations. And I think that that to me is like one of the common themes that I've started to notice over the last couple of weeks on these sacks. He's not taking a lot of sacks on like first and ten. He's taking no. sacks in obvious passing situations, and at that point, I do wonder about some of the play calls at times where it's like, are you trying to get it all at once? Especially when it's like second and long. Third and long is a little bit of a different story. Are you trying to get it all at once? Are you trying to get it all through the air? Like, are you trying to get everything with air yards versus trying to get someone loose? Like, you just got 18 yards on a shallow cross. Like, let's get Terry the ball quickly and see what he can do. Um, are you leveraging the proper chip help? But you go back and watch the individual plays, like we did a couple of these sacks, and you're just like, holy crap, Sam, what are you looking at, man? Yeah, like you have guys open where there's uh, in the first half, one of the sacks, like Terry's pr like he's looking for a big play down the field. Um, Curtis Samuel is lined up in the backfield. He tries to get out. If you if you play Madden, red zone scissors is probably the closest concept uh, that you'll get <laughs> to this um, where it, they run a the guy out of the backfield and try to uh, run him to the corner as Jahan has a post and Curtis gets hit twice before he's two yards past the line of scrimmage and the timing's way off. But Terry's open on a, you know, me. I don't know if it's a shallow cross. It's kind of more That's like eight to cross. 10. It's a shallow. Uh, for, I mean, just yeah. on the concept, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. It, it's on a crossing route and Terry's open and I don't know why uh, Sam doesn't throw it. Um, Another one later that we looked at, he's got the uh, a dig route that's wide open in timing, and he's looking right at it. And you're like, dude, throw, throw it. That. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's the kind of thing where I think as a coordinator, you're looking at the film and you're going, I love my play call. Like, On dude's wide ones, open. Yeah. My quarterback's just got to throw it. But if it keeps happening, I think at some point you have to go back and ask yourself, like, okay. Does he not see some of these concepts well? What can I do to make it easier? Do I need to, you know, when I give him the play call in his ear, be like, hey, man, throw the dig. Like, what, whatever it is. And we obviously <laughs> don't know that communication. And we don't know what Sam likes, what EB likes to give, like all those kinds of things. But you start to ask yourself as a coach, if the same thing keeps happening, what can I do differently? Because even if it's open, we're not executing. And at that point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I, I, you, you made me think of something when you were talking about like we get in all these third and long situations. If you look at the, their effective drives, so the first drive of the game, their first third down is third and nine. And it's a completion to uh, Curtis on a swirl route, so like a corner back to a comeback type deal. And it's a, yep. it's a tough throw, high difficulty level. The next third down is third and nine. He rolls out of the pocket, Sam does, and throws a ball to 17. Great play, vacates a clean pocket, but that's a conversation for another day, right? The next drive is a, is a six play, six and out, and then the punt return happens, and they have the, you know, the, the flip pass, all that stuff, and then they kind of get in this weird sequence where it's not like where they're – so I guess my point is, is they, they converted third and long on the first drive for points, and then when they had to convert third and long in the second half, they couldn't do it. So, you know, this is this is all coming to my brain on the moment, in the moment. But Kyle used to say something which I thought was really interesting. He was like, he was like, I don't care about third down efficiency. And I was like, Kyle, what are you talking about? Come on. Everyone cares about third down efficiency. That's like the most important stat in offensive football. And he goes, I care about first and second down efficiency. Because then I'm not in third down, or I'm in a manageable third down, and then my efficiency goes through the roof. And I was like, Pfft. and I know that's pretty obvious, like to people who aren't in like in a locker room. But you spend, and I'm talking like this is every team I was with: the Bears, Houston, Atlanta, 
not San Francisco, obviously, when I was here with Jay and Sean, you spent so much time talking about third down efficiency. We got to be efficient on third down. We got to be efficient on third down. We got to be, and that's like every day you wake up, it's like someone's hitting you in the face with that. But for someone to be like, no, we got to be more efficient on first down. We got to make this run that we've been repping all week, get us to five yards, second and five. And then we can get, you know, the next play we like, and we're never in third down or we're in always third and short. Like that's something that with this, in this game specifically, think about it. If they're a little bit more efficient on first down throughout the game, I don't think we're even talking about offensive kind of inefficiency in the second half of this game. It's when you get in these third and long situations where it's like high leverage and they've been great. If I think if you look at their statistics, they've been great in third and long, you know, from a, from a completion percentage standpoint, from a production standpoint, obviously they're taking a lot of sacks too, which is going to bring that metric down. But I think that's something in this game specifically, first and second down, like, could we have been better? And I would say probably yes. Like, it, just when you were going through that sequence, it's like run, three-yard gain, run again, third and seven. Don't want to be in third and seven. We need, to, we need something to make us more efficient there. And I think that's what you saw in the Philly game was a much more efficient first and second down game plan that led to better production on third down. So this one to bring that up quickly. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. No, that's good. So let's talk about it. how do you become more efficient on first and second down. One of the things that I think a lot of people were talking about, uh, I know Anthony was tweeting about, uh, and Anthony never tweets during Commanders games, but he's like, man, they can't run inside zone for anything right yeah. now. Like, there's not a lot of yards available inside um, for the Commanders in the run game, which obviously is going to hurt your first and second down efficiency. Um, I don't, I wasn't watching closely enough to know whether Anthony was dead on an inside zone versus dives versus duos <laughs> versus whatever. But you know, everyone just thinks those inside gun runs are always inside zone. But like, right. whatever, whatever they're running, what's what's going on there that they can't get more yardage off of it and and what else do you see on first and second down that is causing them to be in these situations in the first place yeah so this is something we could probably spend a lot of time on and i do think there's a philosophical element here that is really interesting to talk about so if you look at teams that run the ball on first down quite a bit like you know we talked about detroit san francisco you know miami these teams they are not just running they're running base runs but they're not base runs, if you know what I mean. Like they are schemed up from an angle and leverage standpoint to maximize that opportunity in a way that a lot of teams that do a lot of gun runs just don't do because you lose the ability to kind of create the angles that you're looking for. And what I mean by that is like, for example, on inside zone, let's take inside zone, for example. 
I don't really want to double team vertically into the defense. I don't want to do that. People say, well, that's what a double team is. You got to be physical. You got to get after it. In the NFL, defensive linemen, they are not here to mess around. They are here to split double teams like absolute maniacs. They're fast. They're big. They're athletic. So I need a little bit of misdirection. And if I could take that double team instead of the guy that's stacked over the three technique to the guy that's stacked over the shade, think about my ability to create horizontal movement as opposed to vertical movement. And so I look at stuff like that. I'm like, that is a tough double team angle. And so that's kind of their philosophy here. They, it's, they want to throw the ball. And running is a secondary thought. So when you have to run the ball, you have you have your counter out of gun, you have your inside zone out of gun, and you have maybe an outside zone run out of gun. But you don't game plan those runs to maximize the angles. You're just running those runs. Does that make sense what I'm saying? You're just running yeah. Wanda. Well, can you can you give a little bit more of an example of like sure. the difference? So like you have Wanda, your weak weak side zone, right? Okay. How does it look in day one install, which is as far as a lot of teams sure. get, and how does it look for Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel? So it's gonna I mean what are the subtle differences? It depends on the opponent, but like let's just this is this is this is one thing you could do, just as an example, right? So um for example, Wanda is weak side run away from the tight end with no fullback. So think about it. All the offensive line combinations are going to the first linebacker in the box. So if you think like think about six man blocking surface, right? Tight end, five offensive linemen and a running back, right? Um, and then there's think about it versus a nickel front. So four down linemen and two linebackers. So we should be able to get hats on hats, right? So obviously the front side tackle, the right tackle in this situation is going to block the defensive end. They're going to double team the shade with the guard and center to that first linebacker in the box. And then they're going to, um, double team the three technique on the backside to the second linebacker in the box. And the tight end is going to cut off the defensive end, right? Easy peasy, right? From the dot from like behind center, that works really well because I can stay ahead of the center. And then I have to know as the running back that those blocks are out leveraged. So as much as I want to run this outside zone, it's a nine hole run or an eight hole run in this case, it's outside zone. It's not true outside zone. It's going to cut back off the first double team because that linebacker is going to step down. The guard's going to have bad leverage and we're going to wind back probably off that double team to the three technique, right? So that's kind of basic Wanda. The second you put it, in offset gun, right? You lose the ability to make those linebackers move horizontally, right? Because they don't have to go anywhere because you're behind the center when you get the ball. So they just stay there because you haven't done anything. You haven't moved, right? Like if it's from the dot, I run laterally, they have to match. I'm creating movement just by my angle as the running back, right? They have to match me. So we've created horizontal movement. It's small, but enough that it creates a cutback. When it's an offset gun run, for example, and I do that, the linebackers don't move, the combinations can't get enough movement on the down guy because the linebackers just peel the double teams right away. So that's like a simple schematic thing just from the dot. Now, if Kyle's running it, you're going to get a jet sweep action either to, to the – so this is what Kyle would do if we're really being honest here, right? Kyle, what Kyle would do is he'd put the X receiver, so the guy to the open side of the run, in a tight split, and he'd say, go crack the mic. So now that front side double team combination can go to the safety and really ride that double team out of there. And we've created a crease because the receiver's got good leverage to crack the mic. The double team's got excellent leverage to stay and really ride that out. And that's just a simple thing that they've done from a personnel standpoint in San Francisco to get receivers that want to do that kind of stuff. So the the to make this clear, like 
instead of having to kind of rush up to the second level to get the linebacker, now you're really driving that defensive lineman out of there. And if you hit it right, you've got someone to account for the safety who is supposed to be unblocked in most Correct. typical schemes, and that's how you get touchdowns. Correct. Yes, and that's an easy way. So just think about how do I maximize each block in the line? And that's what Mike McDaniels does. That's what Kyle does. And that's why they're good at running the football because they go down the line they say, is this a good block? No, this is hard. How do we make this easier for our guy? Do we do it with formation? Do we do it with personnel? Do we do it with that? You'll, you'll see them run a play. We talked about Zorro earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Zorro used to be tight end fullback. We're mashing this guy. Let's go get this guy. And now they run it with receivers. They have the receiver line up in a tight split. Love this little wrinkle. That Sam, Lam Sam linebacker doesn't want to get cracked, so he widens out. So you've created more space in the defense just by using a receiver who, who, who the defensive lineman thinks is going to get cracked. So we've added two yards of movement that I physically don't have to do. So, again, that's the type of stuff that it's small details, but when you're watching it, you're like, that's what takes a, a mediocre, average, kind of vanilla NFL running game to the next level. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of film study. It takes a lot of prep. And it takes it needs to be part of your identity. And so I don't. I think if I was going to say what the identity of this team was, they are passing to open up running lanes for the running back. That's what they're doing. And you think I think about like the set, like the first couple runs of the Bills game, right? They get the Bills in these two safety structures. Then when you run those runs, they're they're light boxes. It's better for the for the running back. It's not a priority. You're not doing the Kyle Shanahan bit or the Mike McDaniel's bit where you're running teams into heavier box looks to throw. It's the other way around here, I think. And so that that's okay. So your passing game is going to be a little bit more complicated. You're going to spend more time on that because that's like your bread and butter driver here. So I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just I, what this team's identity is at the moment. Right. So that circles back to like, how do they, how does this team be more efficient on first and second down? Yeah. Um, and it sounds like I would probably throw the ball more. Yeah, throw the ball more and try to get like because you know the first yeah, drive I mean, um or one of the early drives they get the the quick sit route to yeah, Logan yes. thomas then they run a similar concept like three plays later it might even in the next play and they just put terry in that spot um yeah, that's so what, how do you, that's what their how run do you get game is. that stuff more often yeah and that's that's tough i mean that's why coordinators get paid a lot of money is like how do we find and I think that's where, again, I would probably say, um, you know, outside the Philly game, that's something that we think we both think he could be more efficient. EB could probably be a little bit more efficient at is like, where are my opportunities to find quick, like easy throws in the quick game for the quarterback? You know, Terry's running a stick route. That's great. Easy, easy completion. It's not a sit, but it's a stick. Like to your point, yeah. it's a different concept. But yeah, gets the ball there and easy. Logan Thomas on a sit easy like can we find more of those and you can't do it all the time because defenses start to key on it but what if we do two quick game and then we do a run what if we do and then the next play is a play action and we hit the thing you know what i'm saying like that sequencing right. is so important because it just kind of keeps teams unsettled and obviously when you're not efficient on first and second down you can't get in your sequence so maybe eb's got this great sequence of plays but the execution isn't quite there and we don't get where we need to go so um on some of those so yeah so that's what i would say on that it's just like the for him you got to throw the ball to get these run looks that you want and um finding with a young quarterback like sam and a guy who's taking a lot of pressures we've talked about this a ton can we find quicker easier throws and that is the challenge of every coordinator in the nfl
Right. One thing that I did like a lot in this game, specifically in the first half, is you know throws that are closer to the quarterback are easier. Um, <laughs> now, sometimes they're muddier because there's more bodies in there as well. There's linebackers and hook players and safeties coming down, whatever. But if you got to throw the ball outside the numbers, like that is a long throw. It, it, you're going to take longer to see it. You're going to take longer to, to throw it. And they started moving Terry inside a little bit more. The stick route you mentioned, um, there's the big play where they, they get down inside the red zone on a, a leak route, which is one that, you know, we were talking before the show, like seven years ago, only like backup tight ends ran that route because yeah. you want to sneak that guy out of there. And then, you know, the Rams figured like, oh, we can get Cooper Cup on that. And or like, the Vikings, were, you know, obviously Kevin brings that to Minnesota after being with Sean in L.A. And is like, well, I can do that with Justin Jefferson. And, and you see Terry getting that. Yeah that that leak route where it's like oh i'm coming across to block just kidding i'm i'm gone <laughs> and and it's effective um yeah those guys get tracked more that's the downside but um you start getting a flow you start getting some of the running going you start getting some of that stuff and a guy even like terry mclaren can get lost in the wash but i, I think eb did a good job in this game where terry has 11 targets uh, of moving him inside closer to Sam closer to the ball and thus making him more available for a couple of those catches. Obviously some of them are outside. Um, but I, I th that was one of the usage things that I liked in this game. You know, I like generally how they use Curtis in this game. Yeah. Um, we talked about Jahan on take five. So, you know, people can check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, and also they only ran 50 plays. So like, everyone's like, Oh, you got to get Logan the ball more. You got to get Jahan. You got to get this guy. And it's like, yeah, yeah, well, if you were more efficient on first and second down and, uh, you know, we're on the field for more than four to six plays at a time, then you'd have more targets for people. But, um, th and those were things that I liked and I wonder if they can tap into some of those things more and also mix it up, right? Like, can you get Jahan in some of those same spots and hit him on the stick route and like get these guys involved on the easy stuff. And I'll also have it help you be more efficient as an offense. Yeah, hundred percent. And you mentioned the first drive, like I love the little shovel pass or pitch pass or whatever you call that to Curtis, which is basically yeah. a run and talk about a game plan run. Like that's great. You got great leverages, great angles, great numbers there. So obviously they have that in there, but it's to me, it's not going to be off of like your base, you know, Wanda's counters, GTs, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I, that's something I think will be kind of interesting to watch is, you know, as this offense matures and as they get into better game flows, like what, what is their answer? Cause again, they've been pretty vanilla from a run game standpoint, but again, you like some of the, like, love that little jet sweep thing to Curtis, love the leak to Terry, love, you know, love that he's getting targets early. Like that's all good offensive process. It's just can uh, in this game, in this game specifically, be more efficient, efficient on uh, first and second down. So you're not in these like really tough leveraged third down situations, you know? So, yeah. Um, one thing they also did, I feel like they used a little bit more motion in this game. Um, and it was pretty simple, basic motion a lot where you'd either start like most often it was, you have the back start split out and then you bring them into the backfield. There was at least one where Terry starts in the backfield and then they like, all right, get out of here. Yeah. Um, so there there's like some, some small wrinkles that they're starting to add and obviously watching Kansas City over the years, like I think EB would love to use a lot more like violent jet sweep type of motions, <laughs> and, you know, the orbit motions yeah. and, and things like that, that maybe that stuff's coming. But for right now, like starting to add a little bit and we'll see how complicated it gets and, and how much this offense grows by the end of the year. But anything else uh, offensively that we want to talk about? No. And just uh, special teams being an extension of the offense was great to see, too. So good job, J-Bo.
Yeah. Good job. Good job, James. By the way, good job to John Harris and Terrell Burgess. And yeah, like, a lot of these guys that get called up Tariq Castro fields, um, as a cover, uh, guy on punt, like those guys did a really good job. And, you know, we're, we're literally on, you know, Friday's radio show and on Sunday on the pregame, um, we're like, yo, what's going to happen on punt coverage? Cause yeah. there's no Christian Holmes, no Percy Butler, no Jeremy Reeves. And turns out it was their best coverage game of the year. Um, so sometimes it'd be like that and and we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes moving forward. All right. Uh, thanks for listening here to take command, take five tomorrow with our stories from New York, as obviously commanders are headed up to the giants and then, uh, stay tuned. We might have something special for you on Friday. The very least we're gonna have a giants commanders preview, uh, but we might even have a special guest. So we're working on that. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, tweet that out beforehand. So stay tuned to the social medias for that, for confirmation, uh, in between now and then I'll also see on the radio four to seven for the Hoffman Show. For Logan Paulson, I am Craig Hoffman. Thanks for listening to Take Command.